from New Christian Life Church, located at 3945 Old Boynton Road, Boynton Beach, Florida, 7828, where the pastors are Richard and Emma Butler. Speaker of the Hour, you Pastor Timothy Gary. Hallelujah. Amen. Holy Ghost power. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. You can take your seats real quick. I won't be before you long this morning. I have a short story I want to tell you to set this thing up. Uh, well, I got two real. I'm going to work on the first one first. First thing, Brother Sidonia told me, uh, he, he, you don't know if you saw him, he leaned back and told me, he said, next time you got to give me more notice. <laughs> I looked at him and said, no, I'm not. <laughs> there was a time I got right here. I was right here doing everything. And my pastor, Pastor Butler, he walks over to me. I was just supposed to do the program. He walks over to me. And this time I must notice I had. He said, you're a preacher. Right in there. Yeah, I had about half a second. That was the time that I had to get ready. <laughs> you're preaching today. That was it. <laughs> That's all right. I got you covered, brother. I got you. We all in training. Amen. Amen. I want to tell you this story. I heard a wonderful story of this gentleman. He went to buy his wife. A birthday gift. It was a birthday, so he went to buy her a gift, and so he went to the jewelry store. And while he was at the jewelry store, he asked the lady, I'm here to get my wife something for her birthday. What do you have? So he went and got her. Uh, he, the lady said, I got something perfect for your wife. So he goes and she goes and gets this, this jewelry, and she brings it back to him. And he looks at it and says, oh, that's wonderful. That's one. That is so nice. That's so pretty. And he looks at the price. He said, but that's a little too expensive. Could you go get something else that's not so expensive? So she goes, she puts that down, and she goes, and she goes and gets another piece of jewelry, and she brings that back to the man, and he looks at it and says, now that's really nice. That's really nice. I really like that. But can you find something just a little bit less expensive than that? And so the lady, she goes back, and then she comes back with a smaller piece of jewelry, and she puts this before him. She said, what about this? He looks at it. He said, now, that's nice. She would really, really like that. But could you show me something that's really, really cheap? So the lady reached behind the counter. She pulls out a mirror and she puts it up to his face. <laughs> I heard that one the other day. <laughs> you can go tell that to your friends. <laughs> you get it? Cheap. Mirror. See himself. Cheap. He's cheap. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, but, well, I wanted to uh, break up the fallow ground a little bit, but the ground has already been plowed. My wife talked about the communion this morning, 
And if you missed it, you need to get, we don't know if we even do tapes or something. We do everything video now. Just, God guess you just punch it and you can look at it later and all that good stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. But she said some key things that I wanted to bring back to your attention. And I'm always, my instructions from God is to encourage the body of Christ. Um. And, it, and it's, you know, I, I heard a preacher say, and, and when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you really start looking into this thing about the benefits of the Christian and how many things that we are so entitled to as believers, hallelujah, you get excited, you get moved. And I heard, I heard uh, Pastor Bill Winston tell the, his congregation one time, he said, he said, you know what I would be doing if I wasn't saved? I'd get saved. Hallelujah. That's, and that's, that's a powerful statement for him to say that. You know, that somebody that has come across the greatness of the word of God. And we have access as children of God to everything that has been made available to us by simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, obeying his word, being humble and before, the, before the Lord God, and doing all these things so that we have, we have been given access. Access, folks, do you hear what I'm telling you? To these things, we have been given access to love, to happiness, to mercy, to being kind, to, to the promise that's going to blow our mind. We have been given access to these things. So if I wasn't saved, I'm going to get saved. Because I want to find out about these things. Because it's something, you know, we'll hear about them all the time. But you don't have a way to get in. Jesus said very clearly, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no man comes unto the Father except through me. And we got the Lord Jesus Christ on the inside of us. Amen. By way of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So my wife said some things that I'm going to bring back to your remembrance, and I'm not going to be here long. This is going to be quick, so however your opening tell ears need to be open right now. The brother done prayed. That was good enough for me. I believe the ground is ready, and everybody's ready to receive. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you something that you already know. There are great things for you to do. Amen. Did you know that? If you did know it, you know it now. Hallelujah. I love this, what she said also. What do you want God to be in your life? That is something that's kind of profound. But for me to say, for her to say, what, well, for God first to allow her to say that to his people, what do you want God to be in your life? God has made himself available in such a way, it is almost like that he will listen to whatever we ask him to do. But here's the catch, here's the catch. You cannot approach God without Jesus. When you approach God with Jesus, this is how it works. The ears of God are attentive to you. He's listening to whatever you have to say. But if you approach God without Jesus, without being saved, without being born again, you can talk till your face turn green. We've heard it on our jobs or where we associate with people, how people, they're calling on the name of Jesus, but don't even know who he is. But we say, I, I know who he is. Amen. She also said that you have Zoe life, the life of God. 
when you have and you understand that you got the life of God, many are the afflictions of the righteous. We know this, right? Things are going to come our way to deter us, to make us feel bad, to make us feel sorry, to make us feel distressed, to just take us out into left field and try to leave us out there by ourselves. Amen? But you got the Zoe life of God. You are an unstoppable being. Too many folks ain't get excited about that one. I'm going to say that one more time. You are an unstoppable being. That means whatever comes against you, you have not only the capability, but you got the right to destroy it. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I'm speaking from this standpoint right now because, you know, as you, as you start to grow and as you start to dwell in God, you're going to see things are going to come your way. And you, let me tell you something. You better know who God is <laughs> because there's still, and I'm telling folks now, this is part of my witnessing to people. When they start talking about problems, they start talking about unbearable situations, you know what I tell them? There's still a devil out there who is going around seeking whom he may devour. And the choice meets are the disobedient, <laughs> the disobedient and the ignorant. He loves to gnaw on people like that. Oh, chew on you. Seeking whom he may devour. But you're an unstoppable being. Amen. This is a fresh word. This is a fresh word. You have your Bibles, and I read, as you already know, I read from the New King James Version. I want you to turn your Bibles. Ooh, this is good. 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Hallelujah. We're going to deal with the first. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 first. As, I'll, as I'm being led by the Holy Spirit, we'll probably stop here and there. And point out some things. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for your anointing this morning. Hallelujah. You know, when you understand that God has not given you a spirit of fear. When you really grab a hold of that, that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Now, really focus on that one of the sound mind. That means I can control myself. I have self-control. So you can, people can come at you, and they can come this way and that way, and the devil can come this way and that way, but I got self-control. You're not going to make me do things, because I have learned this in, my, in the past, that a, an, emotional, an emotional person is unbalanced. And you don't need to be making no decisions when you had an emotional hiatus, <laughs> if that's a word. When you had an emotional hiatus, you do not need to be making any decisions because you'll destroy yourself and you destroy everybody else that's around you. Everybody gets affected when you start making bad decisions. Hallelujah. Listen to this thing. This is talking about, this is the story of David and Goliath. But the Lord has given me instructions to focus on big old bad Goliath. We're going to look at big old bad Goliath. And let me tell you something real quick. Just a, I'm going to jump ahead just a little bit. That the devil wants you to think that Goliath can't be defeated. He wants you to think that Goliath can't be dealt with. 
But what did we say earlier? I have to go back to my wife. No, I'm going to be cheating off her just a little bit. Where are they? Are they over here? You are an unstoppable being. Amen? Amen. You see me grinning all the time because <laughs> I grin at this thing. When you start getting a revelation, God began to show you some things. Let me get into this word. It says, now the Philistines, or Philistines gathered their armies together to battle. Now, of course, we're in the Old Testament, so we're going to come across some words that we all have our own pronunciations. You understand that, right? So as I pronounce them, to me, they are right. So don't approach me later in the service and say, this is how you pronounce this. You pronounce it your way, I'll pronounce it mine. <laughs> so they gathered together to battle and were gathered at Socha. Socho. Sochi. I gave it three, three, <laughs> three of them right there. Which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Socho and Azekah and Ephes Damim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up in battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain, the whole army of them, on one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side with a valley between them, just looking at one another, trying to figure them out. And thank you, Holy Spirit. If we as believers stand still with all the authority and the might that God has given us and do not do anything, I guarantee you the enemy will move first. Verse 4, and a champion... <laughs> went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath, amen, from Goth, whose height was six cubits in a span. And I'm going to make it a point to point out everything about Goliath to show you why they were afraid of him. And it's the very tactic that the enemy does. He's a show-off. He's going to show and display his might. It says that they sent out their champion. Their champion is their best. That's their best one. Goliath had a reputation of whoever he came across, he utterly destroyed them. You came across Goliath, it's pretty much like when you used to fight Tyson back in the day. You knew who was going to win. It was going to be a quick fight. You knew not to pay too much pay-per-view, you would go watch it at your friend's house because you didn't want to pay all that money for one or two rounds. So you go use some wisdom, you go to your friend's house because you know if Tyson's fighting, you're losing money. And it's a done deal until he ran into real deal. Holy field. I just threw that little rhyme in there. <laughs> all right. So they send out their champion. This is how the enemy looks at you. This should give you some confidence. For the enemy to send out his best against you, you should know because he knows that you have God's hand of favor upon you. So when those things begin to happen, don't get afraid. What you got to do is simply step up to the challenge. 
The enemy is not coming at you just because you're just some old or the old another type of person, some kind of coming. He's coming at you because God is about to take you to a place that he don't want you to get to because if you get there, you're going to be even doing more damage to his kingdom. So the devil will use his champion, which is his most fearful weapon, to bring you down. So we can't get, when we get, when this happens to us, we can't get to this place and be like, Job, the thing that I feared the most, and my wife said this morning, we got to watch how we use our words. The thing that I feared the most has come upon me. (laughs) When you say that and you release that with your mouth, you just open the door for the enemy. And he'll come in and wreck havoc. Havoc, amen? So they say old, old Goliath was six cubits and a span, I, I, and it had two different measurements. I want, you to, I want you to understand how big this cat was. It says the measurement went between 18 and 21 cubits. Depends on the measurement that they used. So Goliath was actually between nine and a half, depends on which measurement you use, to ten and a half feet tall. And you know, and we and you think about it, when you see somebody even more so that, that kind of height this this day, I mean we don't even know anybody that's that tall. I mean, we hear some people are eight feet tall, but you see them walking because they have ailments. I mean, Goliath was stout. <laughs> and he's walking around nine and a half, ten and a half feet tall. He wasn't slouched over and the boy was bad. We're gonna look at some of his weapons. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. I didn't go to exact weight, but it's pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy. And it's not bending him over. And he had a bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now, the staff of his spear was like a weaver's bean. I mean, it was just braided up very tight so he can grab it real good. And his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels. And a shield bearer went before him. Not only had he had somebody carrying his stuff around, he was showcasing himself. Amen. Then he did this thing. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel. And once again, I say that if you have this ability on the inside of you and you refuse to use it, the enemy will confront you. He will challenge you. And not because he doesn't want to keep you. He wants to be an intimidator to keep you from using the gifts that God has given to you and the authority that you walk in. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? He says, why have you come out to line up for battle? (laughs) Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Just this taunting is going on. And on. And then he goes and says, If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then he then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. The Bible clearly points out that pride comes before destruction. Any discerning believer should know that when you hear taunts like this, that's an ego talking. And if you stand up to that, you will know, they won't know, but you will know you're about to fall. Because all I hear is pride. 
All I hear is ego. I know what's going to happen to you before you know what's going to happen to you. But if we don't take that stance, you hear what I'm telling you, church? Well, you really be into this. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, it's all good. All right, verse 9 again. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Now, if I was going to a spiritual thing, you'll see that there's really those demons behind Goliath challenging the spirit of God. It's pretty much the same thing when it comes to us. It's those spirits, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So when you hear things, it's not so much that you are the primary target. They're targeting that spirit on the inside of you. Amen? All right, all right. And the Philistines said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And after all this boasting, after all this taunting, after all this uh, uh, waving around who he is and what he can do, this is what we should not do. Verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Israel, the chosen people of God, that God handpicked because his hand of favor was upon them, handpicked to be the, the bridge, to be the, the, the way, the, the, the gateway of the Messiah to come into the world. Got scared. Here's the role of the giant. The role of the giant is to intimidate, to frighten, to threaten, to terrorize, and to dishearten, which is, dishearten means I've, uh, uh, I've come to depress your hope. So whatever hope that you have, I'm going to squash it by showing this front of who I am and what I can do and what I can do to you. Hallelujah. Here's the title that I have to you for you today. You ready for this? You better write this down. I am equipped. Say it with me. I am equipped. I am equipped. I am equipped to handle giants. That's the word today. I am equipped to handle giants. So everything that he described himself as and what he can do with the array of his weapons, you can still say, I am equipped to handle this giant. You better hear this thing today. You better hear this thing today. Hallelujah. Here's another description of a giant. It is a obstacle. It is a obstacle. This is what an obstacle does. This ought to stir you up, child of God. It is something that hinders progress, an obstacle. Amen? It is something that keeps you from becoming what God has intended for you to be. That is an obstacle. That is a giant. Here's my question to you. Here's the question to the body of Christ. After all that we've heard and all that we've come to understand so far, what is your giant? What is keeping you from getting where God wants you to be? Is it unforgiveness? If it's unwilling to love, is it unwilling to be merciful? Is it unwilling to be kind? Is it like the story we just heard? Are you cheap? 
Are you unwilling to give? Are you unwilling to line yourself up to the will and the character and the likeness of God because that is your job? It ain't necessarily got to be this great big thing that's, 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 that's standing nine and a half feet to ten and a half feet tall in front of you. But because, you know what I come to find out, we take little things and make them nine and a half to ten and a half feet. And we see this obstacle in front of us. And we start to talk like Saul. They heard the words. They heard the lion going through the jungle, roaring, seeking whom he may divide. He wasn't even coming your way. He was just roaring. <laughs> you just heard the roar. How am I going to pay this bill? How am I going to go over there and be nice to this person? They know I'm a Christian, but I know they like to pick and make fun at Christians. How do you expect me to go over there? How do you expect me to submit myself to those who have ruled over me when I know that they're evil? Have they asked me to do something that's contrary to what I believe? No, they just ask you to do your job. But I don't want to do it because everybody said I should hate them. I don't have to respect them. I don't have to do what they tell me to do. How can I go and, and, and love this person when I know what they did to me back way when and then that they're probably not even thinking about anymore. How am I going to do this? And then I'm greatly dismayed and afraid. And a little small problem that you can easily deal with grows to nine and a half, to ten and a half feet. And not only that, then we name it Goliath. Goliath the giant is now in my way. What is your giant? Now I think I already said this, but I'm going to say it again. No, I haven't said it. Your giant, whatever it may be, here it is. It's only there. He's only there simply because you won't remove him. You know why? You know why you can remove him? Because God has infused on the inside of you. You are equipped. You have been made ready to handle giants. Glory to God. I'm going to show you something. You say, preacher, well, how, if I'm supposed to know this, can you give me some type of confirmation? Can you give me some type of proof that God has equipped me to handle giants? Yes, I can. Turn your Bibles to look at this right here. Joshua chapter 1. You're going to love this. Joshua chapter 1. And I think I'm dealing with, I wrote down verses 1 through 7. Let me see if that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. How am I supposed to deal with this giant? How am I being equipped by God to deal with things that are nine and a half to ten feet tall that seem like an obstacle that I cannot get over? How am I supposed to deal with this? Listen to this thing. Verse, now this is um, after, after Moses had just died, Joshua was about to be the leader of Israel. I'm not sure about the number. I'm sure you'll correct me a little bit. But I know it was millions of people. He just thrust out there. Now I want you to know something. All this time, God was talking to Moses. He wasn't talking to Joshua. God was talking to Moses and Moses was talking to the people of Israel for God. But now God has been getting ready to talk to Joshua. Okay? It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua. 
the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, as close as he was to Moses, he wasn't talking to Joshua. He was talking to Moses, okay? But it goes somewhere. Now he's talking to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place. Say every place. Listen to what he's telling. Look at what the God, what God the Father is telling his, his telling Joshua. Every place that the sole of your foot, excuse me, will tread upon, I have given to you as I said to Moses. This is getting good. Listen to this. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. Oh, man. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And I love what he says to him right then. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. And of good courage for this people, you shall, you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. I'm just going to read the first part of verse 7. And God says this to him, only be strong and not just regular courageous, not just simply courageous, only be strong and very courageous. God is emphasizing the point to Joshua what exactly what he wants him to be. Do you see that? Now you say preacher. Now how do I know this? This is how you know this. He told Joshua to be only strong and very courageous. I'm going to go through this real quick so you be ready. This was told to Joshua to conquer To be strong and very courageous, when God told this to Joshua, I'm trying to see how to word this thing. I have it written down. I'm trying to see how to word it. This was only told to Joshua after God presented himself to Joshua. Remember what I was saying. He was talking to Moses the whole time. Through Moses, Joshua knew God. Now, Joshua knows God personally because now God he ain't talking to Moses anymore he's talking to who Joshua and so for God to say only be strong and very courageous what did God do from verses 1 through 6 to the first part of 7 God was beefing him up he was encouraging him he was showing him that I'm going to be with you. I am the one who shall go with you. I shall not leave you. I shall never forsake you. As I was with my servant Moses, I shall be with thee. The thing that Joshua had to focus on to get God to stay with him is just to what? Serve God. Because it was made a point. My servant Moses. Amen. Do you see this thing? Yeah. Hallelujah. So he didn't, he, he, he told God didn't tell him that. So God told him that because he presented himself to Joshua. He did it by making himself known to Joshua. 
I'm going to read it. I done got ahead of myself. All this time God was speaking to Moses. Now he's speaking to Joshua. This is what took place. When God was speaking to Moses, he had this thing with Moses. Now God is speaking to Joshua. What God was doing, God has now commissioned Joshua to do this thing. And so when we hear the word that we can overcome any situation because we believe God has commissioned you. This is what this word commissioned you. God cannot, this only hit this first. God cannot require, think about Joshua and what God had just told him to do. God cannot require something from you until he first commissions you to do it. Do you hear what I'm telling you? He can't tell you to go conquer without giving you the ability to conquer. He can't tell you to overcome without giving you the ability to overcome. He can't tell you to go love without, uh, I'm going to use the word, uh, without condition. He can't tell you to love unconditionally until he first commissions you to love unconditionally the word commission means this it is an authoritative charge it's an authoritative charge so God is like he's like it's like when he's when he speaks to your spirit and he speaks to my spirit he's like charging you up to do things listen to this like he would do them amen Hallelujah, anyhow. Come on, y'all. Y'all got to get this thing. Because if we're sitting on our seat and we have this great power and authority that the Father has given to us, why do we cry when a problem approaches our door? Why do we wail and scream like the children of Israel when, when, so, when, when Goliath stood up and he said, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do to you. Why go into the closet and hide, child of God? You have the ability to face these giants. It has been commissioned to us. And I have learned this. Ooh, when you are in covenant with God, and when you are in relation with God, when I don't feel like standing, God will stand up in me. It's the same thing with you. You and I simply have just to have the mindset of a servant. And when I tell you, when you have that mindset, all I got to tell you to do, what to do, brother, is, is stand back and watch God. And watch God. Are you supposed to stay on that, on that bench and warm it up ever? No! No! He wants total victory from you. And so when you're not getting, when he's not getting the victory for you, what he wants to do is get the victory through you. Do you hear what? Mm, hallelujah. So a commission and an authoritative charge given to the believer by God. I've been saying it for the longest time, and I say it to myself. Whatever you are involved in, Listen to me. You should be successful at it. Oh, you better grab a hold of that thing. Whatever you are involved in, you shall be, you will be successful at it. 
Now, this thing works like this. Some people think because I don't see success right away, that means that I, I, I kind of messed up or missed it. Or if that's the case, then you go and you talk to the one who is positioning you from the beginning and find out what needs to be done. If you've gone off track, he'll put you off track. But one thing that I know about God, he don't pull you back. He don't pull you back. He don't pull you back and tell you you need to start. He'll, he'll keep you right where you are so that you can learn so that we can do what? Move forward. Hallelujah. I'm almost done with you. I hope you're getting this. So you are been, you have been, and I have been commissioned by God with the authoritative charge to take over. Hallelujah. Because you are a giant killer. Amen. Yes, you are. Look at this last little verse real quick over in 1 John. Oh, boy, I, I, I thought that revelation hit her. She said, oh, oh all right. We're going to go somewhere now, boy. 1 John chapter 5, I believe. First John chapter 5, starting at verse 3. Yeah. Don't you know the enemy is already defeated? The devil is already defeated. You have to believe that. You have to believe that. Hallelujah. So when I went to this, when the Lord told me to go to this, these verses, the word that stands out in these verses is how you are an overcomer. Basically, our confidence and our victory in the word of God is simply knowing and accepting the truth that all things are possible to those who believe. If God is for me, who can be against me? Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. When you grab a hold of that, you, your spirit man, cannot sit anymore. He, you, the real you, will start in challenges to the kingdom of darkness. You will be able to go into the enemy's territory and take back what he has stolen from you, from your loved ones, and from everybody else that you care about. Because you are a cycle breaker. Yeah. There are a lot of things that's in my family that held them down. Poverty, having this mindset of poverty, having this mindset of, uh, uh, of self-worth, having this mindset that, that we have to be this way all the time. The devil is a liar. See, because when I started coming to the knowledge and the truth of God's word, I couldn't hang on to those things anymore. I wanted to go forward. And that's how God works on this side. God is not somebody that likes to sit still. You shouldn't be anybody that wants to sit still. You should be ready to conquer, and you should be ready to overcome. You should be ready to take. You should be ready to possess. It is yours, people of God. We are not going to be fearful like the children of Israel were or was. Did I put were and was together? 
We are not going to be fearful like them. We are not going to get into a state of mind and start making silly statements like Job said, this day the thing that I have feared the most has come upon me. That is a, that is, that is, that's setting yourself up for failure. See, we can't be moved by something that don't look right like at the moment. We got to be like our pastor. We talked about it last time. He, and, it, and it was talked about him. This is, what, this is who he is and what, he, what he's about. We, we got to look ahead. Yeah, it may be a little flawed right now. But we got to look ahead. You know, it took me a while, like with my children. I like, you know, if I train them up in the way they should go, I can't be moved by what's going on with the few of them right now, you know. And, and, and they're all sitting pretty. They're all sitting pretty. I am so, I'm so, you know, I never, I never would have thought that to be where I am now with my family. I never would have saw myself like this the way I am now. I got children that love me. The people they marry love me. Because all this happened because I got with God one day. And he changed my life around. He let me know that this, is, this may be where you came from, but this is not where you're going to end up. Do you hear what I'm telling you? And so we walk around like this thing. We walk around like a beacon of hope. All us believers, we walk around like a beacon of hope. You know, we walk around and say, man, why are you so joyful? Just get a little crazy with it. You get a little jiggy with it if you want to. Because I'm a beacon of hope. I'm a beacon of hope. That's why. Why are you so hopeful? Because let me tell you about this man I know named Jesus. He set my life straight. And he can set your life straight. And all I did was sit down and listen to him for a little while. And he set my life straight. <laughs> Verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome listen to this thing i'm gonna focus on verse three real quick catch this real quick when you are approaching the place of rest that place of rest when you absolutely trust god wholeheartedly that's your place of rest where god wants you to be some of the devil's devices is to get you to abandon god And it says, the verse tells us, his commandments are not burdensome. How many of us have got that feeling? You know what? I don't feel like going to church today. I don't feel like studying today. I don't feel like reading today. I don't feel like praying today. I don't feel like worshiping today. I don't feel like praising today. I'm just good old tired. And here's what he wants you to say. It don't look like it's doing anything anyway. Why do it? Am I the only one? Hallelujah. That's the enemy trying to get into your head. Yes, he is. He's trying to get into your head. And that's why I love the word. For this is the love of God. It's a reassurance that if we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not a burden. It's not this great weight that the enemy wants you to think that it really is. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. On these two hang all the law, the prophets, and the commandments. If you just do those things, if you just do those things, love God. How do I love God? Sit down and talk with him for a little bit. 
And you'll find out that God is easy to love. And then not only that, you know why we can love your neighbors as yourself? Because while you're sitting down and talking to them, he's telling you how to love your neighbor and yourself. Just say, hey, forgive them for everything. <laughs> be friendly to them. You overcome evil with your good that I have placed on the inside. Just be good. Just be good. Go buy them something. I know you may not feel like buying something, but you know what? That's being good. Just be nice to them. Go buy them something. He ain't saying you got to sit there and wait for them to say thank you because they're probably not going to do it anyway. But you know you obeyed God because you, child of God, want to get to the next level. And I'm not going to let this emotional barrier prevent me from getting to my next level in God. Better kick old Goliath out of there. One thing about a bully, and Goliath was a bully. If you hit him one time, they'll run. <laughs> but you have to, here's the key now. Here's the key. You got to hit him the way God instructs you to hit him. It just so happened God told him to hit him with a rock. <laughs> he only got hit one time. <laughs> and that bad boy went down. All right, verse 4. For whatever is born of God, listen to this child of God. For whatever is born of God, are you born of God? Are you born of God? Are you born of God? Are you a child of the Most High? Are you saved and sanctified? Then you are born of God. This is for us. Overcomes the world. Hallelujah. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Another version of the Bible says, even our faith. The thing is, the directive, it wants you to see that it takes your faith to overcome Every weapon, every device, every tactic of the enemy, it takes your faith. How do we get faith? Preacher, you get faith from being in your word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if your faith is lacking, you ain't got no word. Oh, and don't get upset. You know what you do? You go get some more word so that you can have more faith so that you can be this overcomer that God has intended for you to be. Amen. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let me read this last little note to you. When you operate in faith, you are an overcomer. An overcomer is one who has stood toe-to-toe with their giants and convincingly, not half-heartedly, convincingly defeated them. That means when you face your giant and you will, you're not walking away from your giant and you're leaving him with breath in his body. David hit that Goliath, put him down, and Goliath may have been standing out. What did little David do? He went and took his own weapon. The very thing that he was so descriptive about, about what I'm going to use against you, had his armor bearer carrying his shield and probably carrying his sword as well and his spear and his jab and all that kind of thing, took his weapon and cut his head off. Let me tell you something about beheading. <laughs> when you cut a thing's head off, you disconnect its ability to function anymore. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Boy, that just came out me. Did you write that? You got to keep that one for me later. You, 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 you. I can't even say it again. I hope you got it. His ability to function and further in your life. Hallelujah. That's an overcomer. Convincingly defeated them by the word of their testimony and the blood 
of the Lamb of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who is he that overcomes his word? But he who that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Don't walk away from what you believe. Don't walk away from who you believe. You ought to stand firm in Jesus, and you will see Jesus stand firm in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just say this with me. I am equipped. I am equipped. Hallelujah. To handle giants. Hallelujah. Now, now, church of God, people of God, go find your giant and deal with him. Amen. Amen. Let us stand. Let us stand to 